please be seated. And uh, Brooke, would you come forward? Once again, uh, my name is Chris Estes, and uh, I'm kind of like recovery guy around here. I lead something called the Pioneer Group, and uh, we're glad you're here. And Brooke, you're up here. All right. So. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for just a few seconds this morning. My name is Brooke Mevin, and I have had the pleasure of leading the gift team for Jesus Said Love. We are a ministry that reaches out to women in the strip clubs here in San Antonio. Um, we speak to these women once a month, in the really in the voice of Jesus' love. We go to the strip clubs and um, minister to about 75 women. Um, we honor these women with gifts, and then just with words of encouragement, with words of Christ's love, and letting these women know that they truly are um, daughters of Christ, regardless of where they stand in their lives. Our March outreach actually takes place this year on Good Friday, and our March outreach is an Easter outreach. It's a little bit larger than what we typically tend to give, and what we give for March are blessing bags. We fill these bags with a number of items, but it's items for um, to help these women with self-care, um, to help these women kind of understand God's love. And then many of these women have children, so we also fill these bags with gifts for their children. These bags cost roughly about $40 a piece. And so um, because the Alamo Heights Methodist Church has been such a huge support of this ministry, we are asking that if anyone feels moved to give to the um, March Outreach, uh, we would love to have any donations that you all might want to give. Again, each bag is $40. We will take as little as you might want to give or as um, large as you might want to give for this outreach. I will be in the foyer area after um, the sermon today. If you'd like to give, if you'd like to learn more about this ministry, if you'd like to give of your time and talents, I would also love to speak with you. We can serve in a number of ways through our club team, through our prayer team, or through our gift team. Um, so please come find me. And would love to speak to you all more. Thanks for your time. All right. Well, now it's time for the quote sermon, unquote. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do, we have five of us up here. We're all part of the Pioneer Group. Now, what the Pioneer Group is, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problems and help others to recover. And uh, what we are, we started about 15 years ago. We thought that all of us are in 12-step recovery of some form or fashion. And although we're not officially representing any of those fellowships here today, uh, I'd just like you to know, and I have the permission of everybody to let you know, and I'm sure you'll hear more about it from them. Uh, all of us are in one form or fashion of 12-step recovery. I happen to be an alcoholic. I've been sober since <clears throat> July 24th. 1999, by the grace of God, and in about, uh, yeah, all him, yeah, and uh, in the year 2000, uh, I decided to put together a group uh, where we could discuss the Christian and biblical roots of the 12-step movement. A lot of people don't realize that uh, that really was the genesis of the 12-step movement, it was very, very biblical. Uh, in fact, one of the co-founders of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, Dr. Bob, said that there were three essentials in the formation of the 12-step program, uh, one of which was the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. Second was the book of James, Faith Without Works is Dead, um, amongst other um, great passages from that 
from that book. And then the third was the First Corinthians 13, the love chapter that was probably written, uh, read at your wedding, I would imagine, right? Yeah. And uh, so anyhow, so we just started to have a meeting every Friday night, and we've done it ever since for 15 years where people from various 12-step fellowships get together. We discuss the scripture, and we discuss recovery literature, and we do it all in light of our own experience. We do it in light of our own tradition. We do it in light of reason. We do it in light of scholarship. And it's just a great way. Um, it's really how I learned the Bible was by doing this meeting and looking at things through the lens of something I understood, which was recovery. Now, as time has passed, I've come to know recovery better as I get to know the Bible better. I te- I, now, I'm able to look at recovery through the lens of what I know of the biblical narrative as well. And... Uh, it's just been a great thing. So we meet on Friday nights here in the seminar room at 7.15. We also meet at Haven for Hope, 7.30 on Tuesday nights. And then Dr. Daryl Smith and I and Ryan Jacobson host a study at Haven for Hope. Uh, Pioneer presents What is the Bible every Wednesday at 12.15. And anybody here is cordially invited to any of these. You don't have to be in a 12-step fellowship to get something out of this. And... Uh, so you're all, you're all invited. And uh, at the end of the meeting, if anybody has any personal concerns, family, friends, relatives, themselves, that you'd like to talk uh, about it after the meeting in, in confidence, you can see any one of us after the meeting. Now, before we introduce ourselves, I'm going to talk to you about what we're doing here, why I'm not doing a sermon. You know, some people are really cut out for that. Michael Crocker was born to give sermons. Can I get an amen there? He was, he was born to preach. I mean, that man can do it. Uh, David McNinsky was born to get up there and teach, right? Uh, I was born to watch the Spurs, I think. All right, that, that's it. That's my, that's, that's my gifting, right? Yeah, eat, yeah, and eat pizza, right? And watch the Spurs. That's my gifting. Now, actually, for a long time, I've you know just known I, I'm sort of okay. Actually, I'm pretty good at at sharing meetings, leading meetings, and facilitating discussions. And uh, I've done that for a long time. I mean, way back in college, even from, from that point forward. I mean, I just, I, I just somehow know how to do it, and, uh, which I guess is a skill, but uh, no, it is. And, and uh, so some years ago, I stumbled across a, 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 um, a term that might describe what it is that we're going to do here, and it's called rolling communal midrash. All right, rolling communal midrash. And I'm going to read something that I wrote here that, uh, to describe it. So today, we will be engaged in and demonstrating a style of teaching and learning that some have described as rolling communal midrash. Rolling communal midrash could be succinctly defined as a progressive dialogue. The rolling indicates that the direction of the dialogue is not static and stationary. There's movement. The last word about anything hasn't been spoken yet, even scripture. Now, in order for the dialogue to roll, it requires the input of others. We come from community. We need community to survive. And our various communities need our input and effort. At Pioneer, we frequently use the same topic on Tuesday nights at Haven and on Friday at Alamo Heights. The dialogue rolls throughout the week amongst our community. Now, the origins of the word midrash lay in Hebrew spirituality. 
It is literally defined as the interpretive process of filling in the gaps. Midrash is wrestling with the text. Rather than memorization or mastery of a given topic, it is grappling with the deeper meanings and answers that Midrash seeks. So, the dialogue rolls or moves with the people of the community filling in the gaps between the words. So that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to do a little rolling communal midrash around the scripture of the week. And you may know this, that we have a pastor's Bible study on Tuesday where we discuss the scripture of the week, all the pastors on the various campuses here. The scripture is will be preached on in the various campuses around here. But I doubt any of them will have five people from various 12-step fellowships up here explaining it, but uh, we're, that's what we're doing here today, so really glad uh, to be doing this. So, what are we doing next? We've talked about Pioneer. Well, we're going to do this like a meeting, all right? So why don't you join me? We usually start the meeting with a moment of silent meditation to be used as you wish, and we follow that with the serenity prayer. So let's uh, kind of dial it down here for 15 seconds or so, and just be quiet. Now on the screen, please uh, pray the serenity prayer with me, won't you? God, God, grant me the serenity, serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that Jesus will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and the next. Amen. All right, we're going to go around the table here and introduce ourselves. My name's Chris. I am an alcoholic. Chris. My name is Randy, and I'm a drug addict. Hi, Randy. Hi, I'm Leslie. I'm an alcoholic addict. Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hi, my name is Charlotte. I'm an Al-Anon. Hi, Charlotte. I'm Jeannie, alcoholic addict, and um, now I go to Al-Anon meetings, too. <laughs> All right, very good. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. That's good. All right, the way we're going to do this is uh, we're going to read the scripture first, which is, comes out of uh, Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 through 30. And uh, Randy will read first, and then we're going to do some other readings, and then our readers will discuss it, and then uh, we'll go from there. So, Randy, why don't you start? Thanks, and up Chris. on the screen, they will put the scripture, hopefully. My name's Randy, and I'm an addict. Randy. The scripture is Matthew 11:28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light.
Thank you, Randy. All right, next, we're going to have Leslie read something out of our New Living Translation Life Recovery Bible, the Bible for People in 12-Step Programs, new edition. That's how I have to say it every time. That's why I said it like that. And uh, she's going to, there's study notes in here that, that uh, connect to the steps. And uh, what we're going to be talking about is our step three, which is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So we're going to look at this scripture in light of this step and what it means in our lives. And, and uh, so go ahead, Leslie. Hi, I'm Leslie. Okay, so this uh, reading is entitled Submission and Rest. And again, it's referencing the third step. We made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. When our burdens become heavy and we find that our way of life is leading us toward death, we may finally be willing to let someone else do the driving. We may have worked hard at getting our life on the right track, but still feel as if we always end up on dead-end streets. Proverbs tells us, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Proverbs 14:12. When we began our addictive behavior, we were probably seeking pleasure or looking for a way to overcome our pain. The way seemed right at first, but it wasn't long before it became clear that we were on the wrong track. By then, we were unable to turn around on our own. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Taking on a yoke implies being united to one another in order to work together. Those who are yoked together must go in the same direction. By doing so, their work is made considerably easier. When we finally decide to submit our life and our will to God's direction, our burdens will become manageable. When we let him do the driving, we will find rest for our souls. He knows the way and has the strength to turn us around and get us on the road toward recovery. Thank you, Leslie. All right. The basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous is the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We call it the big book. It was published in 1939, and it's the experience of the first hundred men and women and how they recovered. And uh, this was the first of the 12-step fellowships. I've heard numbers of up to three, 400 different 12-step fellowships in existence, many of which use this book. Um, just replace the word alcohol with whatever it is. Um, whatever it is. And um, so we're going to read something out of this book, just a little something that kind of ties with the scripture, I think. So Charlotte is next. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Thank you, Charlotte. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. All right, beautiful. Thank you all for reading. And uh, I'm going to read a little something out of what's known as the doctor's opinion out of this book, and it uh, kind of paints a picture of, of why we drink, why we compulsively overeat, why we have this hole that we need to fill with something. And it goes like this. Men and women drink, use drugs, gamble, etc. 
essentially because they like the effect produced by whatever the substance or behavior is. The sensation is so elusive, although they admit it's injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the truth from the false. Their alcoholic or addicted life seems to be the only normal one. And here's the biggie here. They are restless, irritable, and discontented until they can again experience a sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks or whatever. Drinks or whatever we see others doing with impunity. That's the start of the addictive process. I was an alcoholic before I had my first drink. As long as I can remember, I had squirrels in my head and knots in my stomach. A nervous wreck, even as a little guy. But when I was 13 years old, I discovered the elixir of the gods that would put those squirrels to sleep and untie those knots. The first time it came in the form of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill Wine and De Kuyper Slow Gin. How about that? How about that? That was 41 years ago. I just told you the brands I drank, right? 41 years. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, right? But I can remember the brands of, of booze I drank 41 years ago. I might be an alcoholic. But you know, it worked for a long time. For a long time, up until my late 30s, you know, I'd walk around restless, irritable, and discontented. Have that first drink, and ah, oh, sweet relief. Sweet relief. And it worked until it quit working. I was having panic attacks on airplanes, depressed, seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a pharmacist, right, to try to deal with all this, and uh, nothing was working. And I showed up to recovery, and there were people there that had the same difficulties, but they'd found a solution. That was the good news. The bad news is that I looked up on the wall at the steps, and it looked like it was going to take an act of God to do it.